Today's reading is Acts 27. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded an Adramitian ship, about to set sail for ports along the coast of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul with consideration, allowing him to visit his friends and receive their care. After putting out from there, we sailed to the Lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea, off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. After sailing slowly for many days, we arrived off Snidus. When the wind impeded us, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. After we had moved along the coast with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lacia. By now much time had passed, and the voyage had already become dangerous because it was after the fast. So Paul advised them, Men, I can see that our voyage will be filled with disaster and great loss, not only to ship and cargo, but to our own lives as well. But contrary to Paul's advice, the centurion was persuaded by the pilot and by the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to sail on, if somehow they could reach Phoenix to winter there. Phoenix was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along, hugging the coast of Crete. But it was not long before a cyclone called the Nor'easter swept down across the island. Unable to head into the wind, the ship was caught up, so we gave way and let ourselves be driven along. Passing to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we barely managed to secure the lifeboat. After hoisting it up, the crew used ropes to undergird the ship, and fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Citrus, they lowered the sea anchor and were driven along. We were tossed so violently that the next day the men began to jettison the cargo. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the great storm continued to batter us, we abandoned all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have averted this disaster and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because you will not experience any loss of life, but only of the ship. For just last night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And look, God has granted you the lives of all who sail with you. So take courage, men, for I believe God that it will happen just as he told me. However, we must run aground on some island. On the fourteenth night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was twenty fathoms deep. Going a little farther, they took another set of soundings that read fifteen fathoms. Fearing that we would run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daybreak. Meanwhile, the sailors attempted to escape from the ship. Pretending to lower anchors from the bow, they let the lifeboat down into the sea, 
But Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men remain with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and set it adrift. Right up to daybreak, Paul kept urging them all to eat. Today is your fourteenth day in constant suspense without taking any food. So for your own preservation, I urge you to eat something, because not a single hair of your head will be lost. After he had said this, Paul took bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. He then broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and took some food for themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on board. After the men had eaten their fill, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they sighted a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting away the anchors, they left them in the sea as they loosened the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the vessel struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was being broken up by the pounding of the waves. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners, so none of them could swim to freedom. But the centurion, wanting to spare Paul's life, thwarted their plan. He commanded those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow on planks and various parts of the ship. In this way, everyone was brought safely to land. This is God's word. What is there to say about this chapter of Scripture? 1. It faithfully described what happened to Paul as he voyaged to Rome to stand trial. Secondly, it described how God communicated with Paul and through Paul to save the lives of everyone aboard the ship that was wrecked. And thirdly, it described how Paul publicly and unashamedly gave thanks to God for the food that he and his fellow travelers ate. Verse 35 in the NIV says, He took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. In terms of spiritual growth, however, there's very little to be had from reading this chapter, at least on the surface. But think a bit deeper about this. God is sovereign over all things. He called Paul to salvation and commissioned him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul faithfully did that, experiencing persecutions and hardships along the way, as well as problems within the churches he started. Out of compassion for his Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ who were suffering hunger and need in Jerusalem, Paul led the Gentile churches to collect an offering. As he attempted to deliver that offering in Jerusalem, he was told by prophecy again and again that he would face legal problems in Jerusalem, but he went anyway, compelled by the Holy Spirit. Once he got to Jerusalem, the prophecies were fulfilled, and he was arrested. To save his life from an ambush, he was taken to Caesarea. While in Caesarea, he was not given the trial he deserved, so he used his rights as a Roman citizen to get a free trip to Rome so he could stand trial there. Now here in Acts 27, as if being a prisoner and facing legal risk were not bad enough, Paul could not even get safe transportation to Rome. Instead, God allowed him to be transported by a ship that crashed and was destroyed by the sea. That's verse 40. How would you feel about your life and ministry if all of this happened to you? Would you feel that God was mistreating you? Would you worry that his favor was not on your work, even though you were doing it in response to his commands and for his glory? Problems and hardships are part of life. They are the result of living in a sin-cursed world, not a personal vendetta against you from the Almighty. 
God uses these trials to test and grow our faith in him, not to hurt us or push us away. Paul was realistic about the dangers around him. We see that in verse 31, verse 34, and so on. But he believed God's promises to him, as verses 23 through 25 describe. And Paul counted on those rather than on the circumstances around him. He counted on the promises of God rather than the circumstances around him. Whatever you're facing in your life today, it probably isn't as terrifying or as potentially tragic as the shipwreck Paul endured. But even if it is, God allowed it into your life, has a purpose for it, and will get you through it if you trust him. So, trust him today. Look to God in faith, ask for his help in prayer, and trust him that he knows what he is doing and that he will see you through the trial, whatever it is. If you found this devotional helpful, please subscribe in your email if you don't already by going to dailypbj.com slash subscribe. Please also support me financially, and you can do that by going to dailypbj.com slash support. Please also share this devotional with someone who might grow from it, and I'll see you next time.